0: I do wanna give thanks to you, church, for allowing us urchin kiddos to be used by God. It's such an honor and a privilege to be used by the Almighty God. And we're so thankful. So thank you, church. Thank you, Pastor Powell, for allowing me to step behind your pulpit. You have a beautiful church. Not just the building, not just the decorations, but the people are beautiful people are beautiful. And so I want to thank my, my host, the Melendrez. Thank you so much for housing us. Your hospitality was beyond what we could think. They had a little tree basket for us when we walked in. And they're just so kind. We got to save up and talk to them. Probably too long, but God is good. And we love fellowship. I do want to thank Brooklyn for thinking of me uh, to preach at her church. And so I'm very honored. I do want to greet the online folks. Uh, we're so glad that you're joining us, and I pray the Lord can minister to you. God's Spirit can minister to you in your home, and He can affect you and He can change your life. We do wish you were here, though. Praise God. There's something powerful happening here. Now, before I move on too quickly, I, I promise I'll try not to preach long, but I kind of got to uh, break the ice a little bit. And so I gotta let you interact with each other a little bit. Is that okay? And so at Urshan College, we have these things called 8 a.m. classes. They are devastating. (laughs) And so one of my professors, he loves to do a little two-minute icebreaker here and there, especially when I was a freshman, class full of 18-year-olds. And so what he would do to kind of wake us up is he would go and he would say, all right, before we start class, I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to give them your best insult. And In a class of 18 year olds, we would just you know, have fun with that. you know. But obviously our professor would turn that around and, and uh, he would say, all right, now you gotta go compliment you know, your neighbor, make sure you're well with them. But I kinda wanna flip that on you today. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not gonna make you insult each other. I'm from Minnesota, I'm too nice for that. And so this is what I'm gonna ask you to do. Just for a couple minutes. I want you to give God your best insult. Can you give God your best insult? (laughs) I think God's too good for that. I think God has been too good to us. I mean, we can go and we can complain that, Lord, why did I go through this? Why did I go through that? Why are these things happening in my life? But truly, can I really say anything bad about God? Can I truly say anything bad about him? Even the prophet Jeremiah, he was persecuted, he was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was a laughing stock. And he got to the point where he said, God, I will not make mention of you and speak more of your name. He was done, he was ready just to give up. He was done. But then he said his word was in my heart. Like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary. I was weary of holding it back, but I could not. Praise God. So this is the icebreaker. I want you to turn your neighbor and I want you to testify, whether it be something good God did for you this past month, this past year, this past week. Somebody's got something. God is so good. Why don't you do that for just a minute? says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimonies and we could just go ahead and have a testimony service I believe we could just have a breakout right now God has been too good to us but uh, I'll, I'll try not to preach too long I believe God has a word for this church and um, so I'm going to I'm going to turn if you turn with me to 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 7 through 10 got it with me say amen. amen. Come on somebody you got to flip a little bit faster. We got to do some sword drills this morning. All right, All right. Starting at verse 7 and Paul says unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations a thorn. Everyone say a thorn. thorn. A thorn in my flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Not buffet. We're not there yet. Some of you guys deserve a buffet. That's how how you're worshiping. (laughs) To buffet me, to harass me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times. Everyone say three three times. That it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. Really, Paul? (laughs) 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 That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. All right, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. Uh For when I am weak, weak, then I am strong. My grace is sufficient for you. Hallelujah. As you put your Bibles on, I just want to lift up the name of the Lord one last time. Why don't we open our hearts to receive this Hallelujah. this morning. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, mighty God, it is such a privilege and an honor to know who you are. And I love you, God. I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, God, that my hearts would be open to receive your word today. That your grace would be sufficient in this place. That your kingdom would come here because where you reign... There is liberty, there is freedom, there is healing, there is deliverance. And so we lift you up this morning, Jesus. Hallelujah. Why don't you clap your hands one more time, and you may be seated. So it was in 1991, there was a a small fishing vessel, a, a ship that was heading out into the Atlantic Sea. But to understand why... The Andrea Gale, this ship, never had a chance. One needs to only search the clues along the shoreline of the eastern seaboard. At first, it went by the name of the Halloween storm, given its late October fury. As far south as the North Carolina coastline, winds up to 35 to 45 miles an hour lashed the area for five consecutive days. And waves to 10 to 30 feet pounded the beach. In Rhode Island, there was a fisherman that was swept off the rocks by a heavy surf and was killed. In New York, another man, fishing from a bridge, lost his life when he was either blown off the bridge by the wind or swept off by the climbing waves. The New England coastline hammered so soundly, even a few lighthouses. Buildings that were designed to survive even the fiercest and most severe weather were damaged. With winds hovering now around 65 to 75 miles an hour, utility poles, trees, piers, seawalls, and board lines simply just disappeared. Flooding was extensive as water invaded homes, closing roads and airports. At sea, it was far worse. At 80 degrees, the water of the Atlantic that fall week was still very warm, almost tropical well, the seasons had changed in New England, and a cold front from Canada was racing across the northeastern corner of the country. And at the same time, a hurricane was forming in the warm ocean water, moving toward a collision with the cold front, and what soon became the perfect storm. The Andrea Gale had a crew of six, and the small fishing vessel was caught square in the crosshairs of a colliding storm. Sustained winds of now 60 knots and sea swells of 39 feet were recorded, but there were even some unconfirmed reports of even higher uh, wind miles per hour and higher waves. There's a movie that told her story and coined the phrase, The Perfect Storm, which painted this graphic picture of a crew caught in the middle of an overwhelming difficulty pressed on every side by the colliding weather patterns. The fishing vessel went down sometime late, at midnight on October 28th and ironically its search and rescue satellite aided tracking system washed ashore a week later on Sable Island. Strangely enough the tracking device was found with its power switched off. Could it have been an accident or was it a case of a storm so overwhelming, so devastating that the captain of the ship simply turned the device off as a, symbel- as a symbolic gesture of giving in to the worst storm he'd ever seen. And so, this is the part of the story that really got me because, yes, the storm was fierce and it was something quite never seen on this eastern coastline. And I don't think I need to prove to you anymore how devastating, how deadly, and how horrific the storm was because it was the very fact that these fishermen saw no hope in the middle of this storm that did deliberately turned off their satellite-aided tracking device? What was to help bring, or what was to bring help in a time of need? Whether day or night, whether rain or shine, whether peaceful or chaotic, this is what would bring help and guidance to safety whenever they were in distress, whenever they were caught in a season or a storm of difficulty. And it may just be you're going through such a season as this perfect storm, it may just be the waves and the winds are only getting that much more devastating to the point where it seems like there's no hope left. All right. So you turn off whatever communication you have to help you survive the storm because it becomes pointless. You turn off your prayers because it's just too hopeless. You turn off your communication with God. You turn off trusting and depending in him. For you've prayed time and time again, but it still doesn't seem like the answer is coming. You begin to disregard what the Bible has to say as your answer to your distress call, all because the storm is just too perfect. But the reality is that God is perfecting you in the perfect storm. And that is what I'd like to preach to you this morning perfected in the perfect storm. And so we must never lose our communication with God. We must never stop praying. We must never stop reading his word and seeking him. For this is what is going to help us and guide us, the living word of God. You can live this this morning. And guide us through our seasons in our life. In Ecclesiastes 3, King Solomon tells us, to everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. And he begins to list of all these different kinds of seasons in life. A time to be born. A time to die. A time to break down. And a time to build up. A time to weep. And a time to laugh. To lose. And to keep. A time of peace and war. And Solomon goes on and on. But I just need you to understand this morning. That though these. That there are many seasons. And there can be many difficult times. There is never ever a time to give up. There's never, ever a time to give in to the storm. There's never, ever a time to stop praying and to stop reading and to stop seeking the face of God. There's never a time to give in because there's always a purpose in your perfect storm. It may just be an understatement to say storms are prevalent in her life because sometimes it feels like they just never stop because you're either in a storm just heading out of a storm, or you're just about to experience one. This is because life is just full of troubles. Uh-huh. Jesus tells us in John 16:33 that in the world you will have tribulation. That's a fact. It's just the way it is. I wouldn't be preaching to you if I didn't tell you so. But He says, "Be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world." You are most likely in one of these positions currently in a storm just outing out of one or just about to experience one. A storm that seeks to knock you over mentally, emotionally, physically, or spiritually. But God is saying here this morning, my grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient in your mental breakdowns. In your depressing times, God's grace is sufficient when you're feeling weak in your emotions or just feeling weak physically. God's grace is sufficient in your exhaustion, and God's grace is sufficient in your time of spiritual need. Just come to Jesus. For in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. And so I don't know about you, but I want to stay in communication with the one who overcame the world, the one who overcame sin and death. And I want to be in constant communication with Jehovah Ezra, my helper, the one who gives me his strength when I am weak. Paul will later say in Philippians, a much quoted and famed scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You probably don't even have to read the Bible and memorize that verse. (laughs) There are many t-shirts made uh, with the scripture printed on it, many athletes, they wear it on their attire as They participate in their sports. But you must understand the context of this verse to really know what Paul is meaning by this. It is more than a motivational quote. But it is acknowledging that when we are weak, we can be content. I don't know if that sounds right. <laughs> I can be content in my weakness because God's strength will carry me through. Paul states in Philippians 4.11, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Whether there's a thorn in my side, whether I'm in a season of strife, whether there's tribulation, whether there's that perfect storm surrounding me, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound, whether and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. It is God's strength that will carry you through, and I can be content in the storm. I can be content in my situation because God will see me through. I know you have pleaded with God more than three times, Paul, to remove this thorn from your side, but just hold on. His grace is sufficient for you. I know you have pleaded with God time and time again to deliver you from that situation, but continue to seek the Lord for his grace is sufficient for you. I know the finances aren't looking that great. Come on, and kids. But let me tell you, his grace is more than enough for your need. For it is in weakness, in our frail, in our hopeless situations. It is in the middle of this perfect storm that God's strength is made perfect in us. Hebrews 4.16 tells us, therefore come timidly. somebody preach with me come hesitantly come nervously to the throne room of grace no he says come boldly come boldly unto the throne room of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help to help in a time of need God's grace is freely given and no matter where we are in life we can approach the throne of God with boldness that we may find grace to help in time of need and it's so interesting about this verse, because in the Greek, the word to help is actually a nautical term. It is a, a naval seafaring term, a boating term, if you will. And it has connections to what is called frapping the vessel. And so to frap a ship is to pass four or five turns of a large laid rope round the hull or the frame of the boat to support to support it in its greatest storms. And they begin to take these large cables and wrap them round and round so that the ship will stay together as the waves beat against the side of the ship. And the hope is that these cable-laid ropes will hold the ship together long enough just to get through the storm in one piece. And this is exactly what God's grace is. The grace of God is, yes, His favor in our lives, That we may be justified from sin. For it is by grace we have been saved through faith and nothing of ourselves. It is the gift of God. But But grace, God's unmerited favor, covers much more than our failures and our faults and our sins. For it is when we get tossed to and fro in the middle of our perfect storms that God's grace will surround you and keep you and protect you. And God will continue to hold you through that storm. It might just be you have to just get through it, but God's grace will surround you and he'll get you through in one piece. For we have the strether in earthly vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. The grace of God will hold you through. It might get a little shaky here and there. The pressure of the perfect storm may be collapsing all around you. But God's grace will hold you together and lead you through. David tells us in Psalms 37:25 that he's never seen the righteous forsaken. Never seen the righteous forsaken. Therefore, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And this is exactly what Paul is doing in our opening text this morning. Three times he sought the Lord that this thorn would be removed from his side. Three times he sought the Lord that he would be removed from this perfect storm that he is in. And each time Paul entered into the throne room of grace. And although Paul did not receive the initial answer he had hoped for, he left with the help of God's grace holding him together. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 8, that the Father knows what we need even before we even ask. God knows what we need. God knows what we need. (laughs) But we might not always know what we need. And so it might just be you're pleading with God, take me out of the storm. But he's saying, I've got a purpose for that. Purpose. It might just be you got the storm in your side, but he's just, hold on. I'm perfecting you through this. I'm helping you out here. Come to the throne of grace with boldness so you may obtain mercy and grace to help in a time of need. Hallelujah. Why don't you thank God for that? Is thank you, God's grace. Hallelujah. Thank you. God's you good. Now, Peter, he had some boldness. Uh, His fellow disciples, they might have just called that stupidity. (laughs) Especially when he found Jesus walking on the water in the middle of a storm. And Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on that water. Oh, Lord, help him. And so Jesus then beckoned Peter and said, come. Peter then began to take that first step. Onto the water. The wind was already contrary as the waves beat against the side of the boat. A storm was already beginning in full force, but to Peter's surprise, he stayed afloat, walking on water in the middle of a perfect storm. Peter's eyes were still turned on Jesus as he walked toward him, but soon the waves began to swell up all around him, and the wind began to push him over, and he began to trip across the coming waves, causing him to stumble. The next thing you know, Peter sees the waves getting higher and higher, but not because the storm was getting any worse, but it's because he took his eyes off Jesus. He began to sink. He had taken his eyes off Jesus while in the middle of that storm, but immediately his instinct was, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Then out from the climbing waves through the misty waves, Jesus' hand of grace reached down. And pulled Peter up from the raging sea. It was as soon as Peter took his eyes off Jesus, the storm became his focus. His worries and his fears being caught away in the waters became a reality because his eyes were turned off Jesus. You see, I trapped you this morning when I said to magnify him Jesus is your focus, not the waves. Jesus is your focus, not the winds and the storms coming after you. Magnify him in your storms. When you're in the storm, sometimes you just got to worship right through it. Sometimes you just got to magnify him and make him your focal point. Because it is when I turn my eyes on Jesus and look full in his wonderful face, then the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and Grace. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes on Jesus and look full in his face. You, that the things in this world will grow strangely dim. All the waves, all the winds, and the light of his glory and his grace. God is perfecting you in this perfect storm. And he's teaching you something. And it might just be Jesus was teaching Peter something out on those waves. Because in Micah seven nineteen we were told that God will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. And it might just be Jesus was showing his disciples as he walked over the depths of the sea that he had power over all sin. And not only that, Jesus had to bring Peter into the storm to show him that he had the same power to tread over the same depths of sin and to walk over the water. That Jesus had given us power to overcome sin. He had given us power over our failures, over our mistakes, but as soon as we take our eyes off Jesus, we begin to sink down into those same mistakes. Pastor is talking this morning that sometimes we hang on to those things too much because we get distracted, and we can begin to let the voice of the enemy begin to flood our minds, and really we're just getting flooded back into the same sin as we sink down. But God has given you power over these things. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Now Joseph, he went through some storms in life. If you know the story of Joseph, he went from being stripped of his garment of many colors, being tossed in a pit by his brothers, being sold as a slave and being abandoned by his brothers. Joseph went through quite the storm. But God's grace, God's favor was with Joseph. And so any time he faced persecution or abandonment, God's grace lifted him up. And so after he was tossed in a pit and sold as a slave, God gave Joseph favor in the sight of his master. And Joseph actually became very successful. But then a quick lie against his integrity left him again in another pit, tossed in prison. But yet again, God's favor, God's grace was upon him. And in Joseph's weakest moment, God's strength was revealed through Joseph in the ability to interpret dreams in the middle of his storm. Don't miss the miracle in the storm. God's doing something spectacular in the middle of the storm. Just like when Jesus was walking on the water. Did you guys must have missed that. There's a miracle. Jesus was walking on the water in the middle of a storm. And it might just be there's a miracle going on in your storm right now, but you're just not paying attention. And so God gave Joseph the ability to interpret dreams, which soon brought him into a place of royalty in the kingdom of Egypt. God was perfecting Joseph in his perfect storm, preparing him for this very moment. Everything Joseph endured was for a purpose. Everything he endured was for a purpose. And now in his place of authority, Joseph was not only in a position to save his family... But through him, the land of Egypt was also saved from an intense famine. And not only that, but surrounding nations all came to Egypt to be spared from the famine. God is perfecting you in the perfect storm. And it may just be that God is using this perfect storm for you to help somebody else. In Genesis fifty twenty. Joseph spoke to his storm and said, but as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. But we we miss this sometimes. In order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. (laughs) In order to save many people alive, it may just be that God is positioning you to be a witness to somebody in your life. It may just be that in this perfect storm you are going through is going to be a testimony that brings somebody to Christ, brings somebody to the gospel. And it might just be that God is positioning you to do something greater than you ever expected. Man, I still remember when I was at my, my mother church, I'm at a North American mission church right now, about 20 people. And I, just, I remember when I was about 14, 15, I was just getting comfortable in my church, my mother church. We were around about 100, 120 people. I was finally able just to lift my hands and just to worship the Lord and just be free from distractions. You know, I just had that childish behavior, Easton. I was finally able to just step out in faith and worship God. And next thing you know, I found out that my family decided that we were going to go to this church that was running up about 20 minutes from our house a small church. I just got used to this church. I just finally got comfortable. But then God had to just begin to mess things around. And so I just went into this perfect storm, I guess. And I fell into this pit of sorts. But little did I know that through this church, that the pastor that I now have, he gave me so many opportunities to be used of God. (laughs) I never I've never at this point I never sang in my life and my worship director called me out and said hey uh, she noticed that I played guitar and said all right we're gonna have you play guitar for a service at a church because we need people and she kept working on me and soon I showed up one day and she said you're singing today never sang in my life (laughs) I was always just a band kid you know and so but it was through these situations, these, like, if, we, if I look back on it now, it was nothing. Like, Some of you all need to look at your track record. You're still standing here today. The storm that you were in, it was just a, a little thing. Right then, it was pretty big. That was just a little storm in my life, but it perfected me. And it got me ready and it prepared me for all the things that I'm doing now. I never expected myself to ever stand behind a puppet like this. I never had a parent that preached. I never had anybody that was used like that in ministry. I just came up and God said, I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you. And it may just be that in this perfect storm, God is preparing you and equipping you for something even more greater than you could ever expect and ever dream. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, all these storms that Joseph was facing, they were perfecting him all along. It positioned him to be used by God even more than that. This is where we we step a little beyond. God was perfecting him and preparing Joseph for royalty. In the same way, through these perfect storms we face throughout our lives, God is perfecting us for royalty. God is perfecting us for a place of royalty with him in eternity. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9:24, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. There's always going to be some storms in our life when we're running along this race of life. But he says, And everyone who completes, competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Not now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. God is perfecting you for royalty. Now we're in a body of corruptibleness, but one day he will change that and we'll be glorified with him. And he will crown you in victory because you have now made it through the course of life. James tells us in 112 that, blessed is the man who endures temptation, who endures trials, who endures testings. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. God is perfecting you. He's preparing you for something much greater, something beyond. We're not citizens of this world, but citizens of heaven. And God is just preparing a place for you. Musicians, you can come. I'll come to a close. And so I guess we're in the afternoon now. I'm going to end my call to action for you guys. I'm just going to go to, I'm going to steal James' sermon, if I may, James' epistle. He goes and he greets the 12 tribes and he starts a sermon off like this. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let that patience have its perfect work. Let that storm have its perfect way in your life, that he may perfect you and complete you, lacking nothing. Paul did say in our opening verse that he took pleasures and infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distress, all for Christ's sake. All for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so will you stand with me? Will you stand with me? We're going to respond to the grace of God in just a minute. I know we're all a little tired from the way we worship. God deserves all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. I'm not going to ask too much of you. Or rather, I'm going to ask you what James asks us in his epistle. Is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Prayer of faith. Anybody have some faith this this afternoon? God's grace is sufficient for you. For by grace we've been saved through faith. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, will deliver you, will strengthen you. God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient for you. Are you suffering this morning? Pray. Maybe you're in a cheerful season. Good for you. <laughs> Sing some psalms with us as we worship. Are you sick? Come to the altar. I, I believe the elders. I believe pastor will want to pray for you. I believe in healing. I believe in the gifts of the spirit and the gift of healing and the gift of miracles. God can accomplish this can accomplish those things Jesus in his word is always beckoning his people to come He says come to me all ye that are weary and heavy laden come to me all you that labor come to me are you thirsty are you hungry for something more Jesus says come to me and I will fill you God's grace is sufficient for you this morning.